0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.cam, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And new 49ers quarterbacks coach Brian Greasy said something very interesting when he met with the media on Wednesday. And Chris and I are going to talk about that and what it means for the 49ers quarterback situation. Because for me, what Greasy had to say was kind of the biggest evidence yet that Jimmy Garoppolo is not in the 49ers plans. So let's dive into that.
0: Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory! Kittle
1: is gonna go! Touchdown! Bosa's got him and a second back inside the 30 yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13 yard Alright, we're recording this Thursday afternoon. It's been a weird couple days on the internet. A little bit. Like like a weirder, like on Forty on ers Twitter specifically. It's been an unusually strange couple days with the um Grant Cohn, Javon Kinlaw beef is the word I'm gonna use for it. Yeah, that's fair. It's been <laughs> i'm gonna say fascinating to watch that all unfold just yeah uh, just from like a from just like a journalism standpoint like a like if you're learning about this in journalism school it would i don't even know where you would start
2: (laughs) that's actually a good point it's it, it is a really interesting case study right because Um, case study thank you
1: yeah that's the smart way to say what i was trying to say thank you
2: (laughs) so i i've i tend not to talk about coverage from other outlets or other reporters or media members too much on this podcast um because i'm not really you know like uh, I'll, i'll just be frank like grant and i have had disagreements in the past like years ago we would have disagreements um and, you know, I'd confront him about it and it was fine. And like, we're very friendly. Our, our desks are about six feet apart from each other in, in the media workroom. And we talk a lot. And I like Grant personally. Um, but I think it's fair to say, and I wouldn't have any problem saying this to his face, that we just do our jobs in diametrically different ways. Um, and one thing that Grant's done since taking on the YouTube channel is sort of amplify Um, I guess a harsh tone or a harsh rhetoric when it comes to talking about players and look, everybody has their style. I get it. And and I think he's successfully found a niche there. And I think the YouTube numbers would probably uh, would probably reflect that, but what's happening now. And Javon Kinlaw, look, I I also want to say, I don't think anybody looks good in this scenario. I don't think Javon Kinlaw has handled it well at all. Um, I don't think, I don't, I, I don't agree with the way grants necessarily handled it either, particularly some of the things that he said after the fact. And I know they both met with John Lynch and there was, um, there were other people in the room too. Uh, I haven't talked to any of them when, you know, they apparently quote unquote squashed it or whatever. And Javon Kinlaw has pushed back on the idea that they squashed it, but, you know, I, I wanted to talk about it a little bit on this pod because frankly, like people have asked me about this more so than any other topic, 49ers related that I can remember just personally, like DMS, um, you know, texts with people coming out the
1: woodwork on IG, like, Hey, have you followed this? Like, I didn't even know you knew who I was.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like a lot of friends have asked me how I feel about it. And really it's sort of, it's a product of the changing media landscape, right? And, and Cone is unique from the standpoint of he's got a YouTube channel and he's basically taken on the role of like analyst, take artists, whatever it is like. I don't you know, he's not he's not a journalist in the traditional sense that, you know, you think about Mayoko or Barrows or, or other guys. He's in a completely different lane. And what's unique about it, and I think one thing he's really capitalizing on is he does have access, right? So he's doing something um, that a lot of people are doing on YouTube and like video stuff and and you know having takes. But the difference between Grant is that he's credentialed. He's a credentialed media member. He goes to practice. He goes to all the availabilities and games and stuff. Um, so he's found his lane. But I think. The thing that really stands out to me, particularly these in this last week, are player, players talking about how you know Solomon Thomas weighed in, um, Eric Armsteads weighed in, Debo Samuel's weighed in, George Kittle's weighed in, and the, one of the things that they've said that's really stuck to me stuck with me is that they feel dehumanized, right? like they feel like they're not, they're not being treated as people. They're being treated as, you know, Salman Thomas said we're being treated as animals. Um, and that's, I mean, that's super problematic. Right. And we t- we can talk about, you know, mental health and the idea of being bullied online and all of that stuff. And, and, you know, what Grant does has created a lane for himself to, be able to say that he's saying the things that other people aren't saying or that other people aren't willing to say. And I I do think there's an element of truth to that, but I also think there there's a human decency element that he might be missing in that going for the shock value and saying the things that other people aren't willing to say, while, you know, maybe some people view that as like particularly brave or, or whatever, in comparison to other journalists, it's also like the athletes are humans, right? Like the 49er, the players that he's talking about are humans. And Javon Kinlaw in particular is somebody who, you know, grew up homeless at, at during points of his childhood, right? Like has, he's overcome a lot to become a first round pick in the NFL. And so for Grant to say some of the things about Kinlaw that he said, I completely understand why Kinlaw or any other player would be upset at Grant. And one thing I would say to the players, and I have said to a player who DM both of us about it, um, was that, you know, one of the things that Grant really benefits from is all the attention he gets from players. The pushback from players is something that Grant, that, you know, if you're a fan and you follow these players on Twitter or Instagram and you don't know who Grant is, and then these players are talking about Grant, then all of a sudden those people are finding Grant and then consuming his content and Grant's ultimately benefiting. So there's a way, and like the the video with Kinlaw on it, you know, I don't think either guy looks good, but with the video going viral, that is... Grant's benefiting from that. He benefits from all the views that that stuff is getting, and I think that's part of that. That's part of the issue here, right? Um, so, to me, it's an interesting case study because when you talk about people who get credentialed for uh, for, NF, for NFL games or practices or whatever, it's more often traditional media, and Grant is certainly not traditional media. Now, you're seeing a pushback um, everywhere. Like, you know, people say he should get he should get his credentials taken away. And and I'm not willing to go there because I think, you know, and it's not up to me to decide. That's that's a 49ers thing. Um, from my standpoint, I worry about it being a slippery slope because, yeah, he's saying some things that are untoward and uncouth and things that, frankly, he shouldn't be saying to people or about people, particularly given he does have access and there is a journalistic integrity element to all of this, like you don't journalists should not make it personal um, that like their analysis of football or sports. Like I disagree with with any personal attacks um, that happen on both sides. Right. Like I, I don't think um I don't think like I try really hard. Like we make jokes and we have bits and we're sarcastic and stuff, but we really try not to make it personal because we understand that these are these like livelihoods are at stake, right? Like these guys are legitimately trying to feed their family. We can talk about a player not being any good, but that player is also hanging on for dear life in the NFL in a very cutthroat league. And if they don't make it in the league, then like who knows what they're gonna do, right? Like so it's it's a really tough situation and a tough thing to, to really balance. But the point here for me is like when it comes to grant being credentialed or not, like I don't, you know, it's a slippery slope because I don't agree with, with a lot of the, the way a lot of the things grant says and, and the way he's gone about um, creating some of the content that he has. But if you do take his credential away, anytime a player's upset about, something that's written about him critically. Now you have precedent and say, okay, let's, let's try to get this reporter's credentials taken away. And I think that would further polarize the relationships that are, you know, the Niners, I would say with the exception of this case and the people involved, I don't think there's, there, there's, I think the Niners players and the media core as a whole has a pretty strong and healthy relationship. Relative to like what it could be um, and the other thing too is like I've seen other media members have conflict with um with players and uh that they've but they've talked about it behind the scenes and and it's never become public like there have been disagreements, there have been um you know things that players don't like when it comes to storylines or um you know contacting people for stories without permission or things like that and and it's just a it's a very complicated relationship to have when you're you know we're not we're not talking about these people and how they handle everything they do in life we're talking about them as football players but you can conflate how they approach football to what kind of human they are and we talk about character all the time and how important character is like it's it's a tough line to walk both from as a from a from a journalist who's trying to cover the team and also for a player who is reading about himself and not internalizing it or not making it personal about it, like understanding that the journalists aren't personally attacking them by saying, you know, this guy is not good enough at reading coverages on third down, right, or whatever it might right. be. So, um, everybody's asking me about it. And my feeling is, is that it's an ugly situation. I don't think anybody is particularly in the right here. Like, I don't think, I don't think it really benefits Javon Kinlaw in any way for going after Grant the way he is because, you know, Javon Kinlaw, like last year, he was clearly hurt in training camp, right? Like he was getting time off. The coaches were like, yeah, his knee's kind of an issue Were you know, we're, we're trying to handle it the best we can. And then he ended up needing surgery. Well, early on in training camp, he was getting mad at reporters for, for writing about the injury. And he was saying he wasn't injured. And it's like, OK, like we're not trying like any credible journalist is not trying to deliberately say bad things about somebody. Like it's one thing if, if a journalist is like mis- making a mistake. And I think any credible journalist will admit to making a mistake. Mm-hmm. But no one is trying to, w- with potentially the exception of this case, no one is trying to badmouth a player by reporting that like he's injured. Right. And like, I ran into it with Raheem Mostert a little bit last year. Mm-hmm. Cause I was asking him cause he practiced with a knee brace. And so I asked him about it in a press conference and then he sent a tweet afterwards saying, I'm done addressing this. Like, you know, my knee's fine, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, it, it, it wasn't really a thing for me. Like Raheem and I never even talked about it after the fact, but it was just, you know, like players don't like when you talk about injuries and stuff. And then to take it to the point where Grant took it. And I don't even know exactly what Grant said. And like, I, I don't know everything that he said about Javon Kinlaw, but like, I know that Grant has said things about guys in the past where it's like, I would never say that. Right. About a guy. So I, it's an ugly situation. I just wanted to give my two cents on it because I don't think anybody's particularly right here. Um, I think the player, I mean we're amplifying it now, but the, I, I think you know what I told the player who we spoke to was just like, you guys have to understand that you guys coming out and you know calling him a low life on Twitter or whatnot, like that's only going to draw more attention to him if like if you don't want him to do that stuff. You kind of just got to ignore it, mm-hmm. and and like not amplify it. But now it's to a point where it's amplified, and it's su- it's become such a big topic. TMZ is writing about it. New York Post had a thing about it. Mike Florio had a thing about it in Pro Football Talk. Um, and everybody's hitting me up about it, and we're talking to players about it. Like, you know, I just felt like we needed to address it on the podcast. And um, you know, I, I think it's a learning. It it should be a learning situation for Grant because I think. I think grant has talent and I don't, and I think he works hard. I just, mm-hmm. I disagree with the idea with, with like personally attacking players or making fun of players. Um, that's,
1: that's it for me. Yeah. That's where like the actively making fun and like making jokes at players expense when you're a credentialed journalist, right? That's what stands out to me. Like criticism of a player is that's kind of the job uh, at some point like like that's why
2: they get paid as that's one of the reasons why they get paid as much as they do is to deal with criticism and criticism of pro athletes is fair but personal attacks are not
1: right and that's that's what stands out to me here um that's what's that's what's different is it it is it's not it's not a and again, I don't know everything that Grant says on, on Twitter and his YouTube channel. So it's not about the the criticism of a player. We criticized Jimmy Garoppolo a lot, right. but it was never a a personal thing. Like there's actual things that you can critique with players and criticize with players, but there's a way to do it that doesn't make it this like, Uh antagon, you can do it without being antagonizing.
2: Yeah, completely agree. And on the other side of it too, like Javon Kinlaw walking up to Grant and knocking the hat off his head and trying to physically intimidate him is just way out of bounds. Right? Like, like if you're Javon Kinlaw, I like I said, I he has every reason to be upset and to disagree with the things that Grant says, but no matter how upset you are, as an NFL player you just have to be you you either address it in a different way or you just ignore it altogether but you do the the, the wrong way to handle it is to go down to that level to where you're now trying to physically intimidate a guy like that's just not
1: I'm know. anti that just in general right personally
2: <laughs> right and like there are media guidelines to covering practices like the, the media is it's written down that we're not allowed to talk to players at practice. Like we're not allowed to interact with them or start conversations with them. And it happens like you walk past guys and you say, hi, and you know, Robbie gold will be sitting on the sideline and we'll talk about golf for a second if he's not doing anything, but it's not like there are rules that we're not allowed that stipulate that we're not allowed to interact with the athletes. So the athlete should not absolutely not be allowed to go and try to physically intimidate a reporter or media member. Right. So that's, Mm -hmm. like I said, I don't think anybody is winning here. I think it's ugly. Um, I think, I think the numbers probably reflect that Grant's benefiting from this in a huge way, just in terms of views and and how many people are talking about it. I don't necessarily know that anything negative is going to happen to him uh, aside from just opinions flying and being out there but um like i said it's an interesting case study because we're in a place where it's not always just traditional journalism being done by tr- traditional journalists and there's there are gray areas now and um and with the internet and youtube and everything else it's all becoming you know on podcasts it's just all very different than it was when newspapers ruled the day and um and we are all writing stories that came out the next morning.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and that was really the only media people were, were consuming outside of TV.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You want to talk about football now?
2: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Okay. Shifting gears. <laughs> um, that's one of my favorite things is when somebody will call in to the radio station. I work at a radio station, by the way. Uh, 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. Don't ask me any more questions about it. Um, is when somebody will call and every once in a while, a couple times a year, somebody will call in with this like some heartfelt thing about something they're going through. Um, and sports talk radio has helped them get through it. And this and that, like, it's, it's really cool. And it's really rewarding because sometimes when you're sitting here producing a radio show, you're like, man, I am helping the world. Not at all. <laughs> I'm contributing nothing. <laughs> but when people do that, it feels great. Right. Yeah. But especially with some of the things going on in the world lately, we've had these calls where people will be like, you know, they'll give this really heartfelt thing and then they'll kind of pause for a second and then go shifting gears clay thompson it's like
2: what <laughs> that's
1: crazy. that's the universal um transition shifting gears real quick
2: S- sick and tired of those one-footed leaners he takes it doesn't feel like any of those
1: honestly goals. bro yes like that's not a good shot it's not working for a good shot Sorry, anyway, light minutes right now that fade away that when he dribbles to the baseline stops and then fades toward the baseline from like 16. Not a good shot.
2: I i agree. I'm tired of his feet set. He needs <laughs> he, he's not he's not as good off the bounce as he was before all the injuries. Right. Fair to say, at least not yet. Warriors are going to tip off in game five in uh an hour and 15 minutes. As we're, we're, locked yeah. we're locked in. We're
1: locked in. No, Brian Greasy said a really interesting thing about the 49ers quarterback situation. And I'm not sure if he meant to, but what he had to say really stuck out to me because it's really the most, the most glaring evidence yet that regardless of whether the 49ers are able to trade Jimmy Garoppolo or not, his time with the team is, is done. And what Brian Greasy said was that he's working with the quarterbacks that are in the building and he has had no communication with Jimmy Garoppolo. And it seems like if there was some kind of plan, like, yeah, hey, because the Niners aren't dumb. They I don't think they have any. They have any illusion that there's going to be this robust trade market for Jimmy Garoppolo with all the quarterback movement that's already gone on this offseason. Plus, he's coming off an injury. Plus, he's going to cost $25 million for the acquiring team. Plus, they would have to give up an asset for him. So I don't think the Niners are under any illusion that there's going to be this robust trade market. And Kyle Shanahan even said they still expect to trade him, but that's not guaranteed. But if they don't trade him, it doesn't mean they're just going to roll with him on the the roster. I think they would, at that point, grant him his release so he could explore other options, sign wherever he wanted. And have a chance to compete for a job. Um, and the fact that the quarterbacks coach. Has not even spoken to him. It points l- more loudly to that than anything else that's happened this offseason.
2: Yeah. And look. It's pretty clear that if if and when Jimmy Garoppolo does get traded. The 49ers would have to eat a, sub- a sub- substantial part of that contract. Right? Mm-hmm. Like no team is acquiring Jimmy Garoppolo and paying him $24 million, whatever his base salary is. Right. Right. Um, So the Niners have to understand that there's a scenario where if they trade him, it's going to cost them a substantial amount of cash. Whereas if they release him after he's healthy, given there are no guarantees on his contract, you know, they're, they're eating like $1 million or whatever Mm -hmm. the, the dead money would be, which is basically inconsequential. So, it's really hard and and we've had this conversation in the spring too like it's really hard to envision a scenario where a team is like yeah we'd love to give up assets for Jimmy Garoppolo as opposed to just saying well you guys are making it very clear that you don't have any interest in keeping Jimmy Garoppolo why would we trade you something for him when we can just sign him when you eventually cut him right and look i just i i Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch can say whatever they want about being willing to carry Jimmy Garoppolo's money on the books when the regular season starts, I'm not buying it. I'm just not like there, he's not going to be on the roster making $24 million. Maybe there's a scenario where Jimmy Garoppolo's the backup and he just, and the team is like, Hey, we'll pay you $8 million. You can stay with us. If Trey Lance gets hurt, then you can step in, um, his contracts up after the season. So he could hit free agency, um, and maybe do what Mitch Trubisky did but like yeah the fact that george kittle hasn't talked to jimmy garoppolo since february to me seems really telling um Mm -hmm. unless unless kittle was just trolling us which maybe he was but I, i i i'm not entirely sure to be honest but um like that seemed really telling kyle shanahan saying yeah more than likely he expects jimmy garoppolo to be traded by july they're not ruling it out entirely because you never really know but I th- this thought came to me midway through a, a radio spot I did on a uh, on another station in San Francisco today, <laughs> where I was you know I was thinking about what what this could potentially look like, and you remember last year the Patriots, and this is obviously different because the Patriots had Cam Newton in for training camp in the preseason, but the Patriots basically just decided to cut Cam Newton and roll with Mac Jones, in part and. And obviously Cam Newton was a better backup option than like Brian Hoyer or whoever Jared Stidham or whoever it was who ended up being their backup last year. Mm -hmm. But Mac Jones didn't have to look over his shoulder at Cam Newton, right? Right. Like getting rid of Cam Newton allowed Mac Jones to go through his rookie year, go through the ups and downs of everything and not have to worry about being replaced if he had a bad game. Right. Right. And if the 49ers keep Jimmy Garoppolo knowing full well that Trey Lance is their quarterback of the future, if Garoppolo is on the roster, there's a scenario where Trey Lance has a bad game or two in a row. And then the locker room starts to say, Hey, we've made all these playoff runs with Jimmy. Let's go back to Jimmy. That ultimately hurts Trey Lance's development. And ultimately Correct. that's, you know, winning the Super Bowl. If, you know, if they can do it, is the most important thing for 2022 for the 49ers. But the next most important thing is, is developing Trey Lance for the long haul Mm -hmm. and juggling him and Jimmy Garoppolo this season, in my opinion, doesn't benefit the 49ers at all because it's sort of the same thing as last year. Like if Jimmy Garoppolo were to come in and play well, and then they go to the playoffs and he had replaced Trey Lance as a starter Mm -hmm. after Trey Lance struggled, then like, then what? are you re-signing Jimmy? Right. Did you invest three first round picks in Trey Lance for no reason? Right. Um, so I think the most healthy dynamic, and I have to think Kyle Shanahan understands this because I do believe that him and Bill Belichick are similar, um, are, are have, share similar mindsets.
1: Cut that for audio. Chris Biederman thinks that Kyle Shanahan and Bill Belichick are similar. Go ahead.
2: They're both football coaches. He's um,
1: the next Bill Belichick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do think, Kyle Shanahan has to understand that the dynamic, while maybe in the short term, the Niners could have a better shot at winning a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, which, I mean, you can make that case because Garoppolo is a veteran. I still would push back against that overall. But the healthier dynamic is moving on from Jimmy entirely and just letting Trey Lance develop on his own without having to worry about getting replaced by Garoppolo because that's kind of what Belichick did with Newton last year.
1: Right. I think that you risk doing permanent damage. If. I don't think Trey Lance came in as the number three pick in 2021. Thinking, I think you knew that he was probably going to sit the entire 21 season. And I'm guessing the team was very frank and said, Hey, you're sitting 21, the team's yours in 22. So he goes and we've, we've talked about this on other podcasts. Between his week five start and his week 17 start, there was some noticeable improvement. Some things he had to work on for sure. Like in, not, not in the slightest to finished product. But you could see there was some improvement. Then he goes and by all accounts, went down to Southern California and worked his ass off this offseason. He comes into OTAs. He's a starter through OTAs and then he's the starter through training camp. But Jimmy Garoppolo still on the roster and he's working his ass off and they start one in three and he's, you know, going through the ups and downs that a rookie goes through. And all of a sudden the Niners are like, okay, we're going to go back to Jimmy here because we can't fall to one in four. Like, what does that say to Lance? Like that, that to yeah. me is, that's the kind of thing where you risk that player just checking out forever. And I don't, I don't think the, and that's projecting, I have no idea how he would react there, but that's, I think the risk you take is this player that you spent so much draft capital on and invested your future in by the middle of his second season being like, yeah, I'm done here. I'm not playing for this team.
2: Quarterback is so much about confidence. Yes. Yes. Right. Like anything we do is about confidence. Playing golf is about confidence. Playing driving is about confidence. Right. Like Mm -hmm. driving a car. I mean, like you have to (laughs) if you react to everything that you see on the road, then you're not going to be a good driver and people are going to be pissed at you because you're going to be driving too slow and like. Mm -hmm. But and when you're. Go ahead. Sorry. But like when you're a quarterback, like you have to be fully confident in what you're doing and have full belief that everybody is behind you and you're everybody's rowing the boat in the same direction. Right. And if you put Trey Lance in a situation where okay, we got rid of Jimmy. We cut him. We couldn't trade him, but we cut him just to get him out of the building, to get to to put that situation behind us so we can go full steam ahead with Trey, that would mean a lot to Trey. And you know, maybe that means Trey buys in more. Mm-hmm. right like if like trey lance you know players when they're yo-yoed sometimes those players become disenchanted with the with the coaching staff or the organization mm-hmm. in general and then it's like then you know he's not like you really have to be committed to winning committed to the team like brian greasy said he was talking about you know doing everything in a way that you focus on the larger picture and um put the team first et cetera, et cetera. like that's Mm -hmm. it goes both ways like the team needs to feel the same way about trey lance as trey lance does about the team Mm -hmm. and if jimmy garoppolo is still around then there's a sense of like man you're kind of undermining this guy and you're not you're not pushing him to be confident and be the guy that they need him to be so hopefully we'll just get a resolution of this thing at some point um I don't know if they're going to be able to trade him. I think what's really going to be interesting is like training camp starts and they don't trade him. Then what? Right. Cause we have no answers on that. So and if, I, if I'm Kyle and I'm telling Jimmy to stay away. Like we're, we're either going to, we're either going to trade you or cut you. We're going to keep you on the roster until we trade you, but just know that you're not going to play football for us. No matter what.
1: I think the minute he's healthy and can throw, I think the Niners are going to call around and say, Hey, he's he's healthy. Do you want him? And if a team says, yep, here's whatever pick, they'll trade him. And if not, then they'll
2: let him bounce
1: and sign off. Sorry. I don't think they want to hold him hostage.
2: No, I don't think so either. And look, if say the Niners have to take on $12 million of Jimmy Garoppolo's salary, just say half, right? Are they really going to pay $12 million so they can get a fifth round pick back?
1: I doubt it. That's worth like, 12 times what that fifth round pick would make.
2: <laughs> right. Right. Like a fifth round. Yeah, exactly. Like a fifth round pick's total contract would probably be like three or four million bucks over four years. Right. So I think the Niners are probably pretty realistic internally that, like, all right, some team is really going to have to want him. And maybe it's a scenario. The, the, the one thing I'm not sure about is you know, maybe a team trades for him and they work out a new contract. Maybe like he goes somewhere and it's a new multi-year deal and maybe the Niners aren't on the hook for any money. But I, I right. just, given that Jimmy Garoppolo has had such an injury history, it's hard to, it's hard to see a team being willing to make a multi-year commitment to Garoppolo right now.
1: I'm just, I am fascinated by what it looks like when he goes to another team. Like, does he go there because the team is like, yep, we're going to make him start or, or make him the starter, or we're going to make him compete for the job, or he's going to be QB 2 I'm just, I'm, I'm really interested in what kind of the league thinks of him. Yeah. Having nothing to do with the 49ers. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I mean, the, if Jimmy Garoppolo were healthy, he would probably be worth a second or third round pick.
1: I think I, the way I've been operating mentally in my head cannon is that if he's not hurt, Washington gives the Niners the Carson Wentz trade, which is, I think, two thirds.
2: Okay. Yeah. I think that makes sense. The fact that, yeah. If he had zero injury history or at least like had been two years removed from substantial mm-hmm. injuries, like that, that would make a lot of sense. But now you're talking about a guy who's been injured, hasn't been able to throw for months. And um, it just, it seems like it's going to be hard to trade for that guy. So I, I do think, and just based on the way everything happened this week at OTAs and the way they're talking about it and particularly what Brian Gracie said to your point it really just feels like the team's moved on completely.
1: Yeah, like he's on the roster as a technicality. Yeah. So anything else to say on this for now?
2: <laughs> um, Sac Republic FC's biggest win. One of the biggest wins in franchise history Wednesday night. You can do yeah, all of it in the, uh, in the Sacramento Bee. You're a big Sac Republic guy. it's part of my job to to write about the local team in sacramento these days i
1: have a sac republic t-shirt and a sac republic hat
2: there you go that's so than i have i had a uh an exclusive with with the owner after the game wow that's big all about that
1: i heard yeah i got sniff in there i see it all right uh subscribe rate and review if you have not done so uh we would greatly appreciate that and uh if you have friends who have not yet subscribed uh be a good friend And have them subscribe. Yeah. It's better for them. And And if
2: you're if you're getting blown up with messages as much as we have been about this Cone Kinlaw situation just on the listen to the podcast. I'm calling
1: it the Cone Law incident. I don't hate it. Okay. That's just not
2: your worst pun. No,
1: not by all right Goodbye, everybody.